Chapter 6, Sections 5 and 6 of J. B. Bury's The Student's Roman Empire, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Student's Roman Empire, Part 1, by John Bagnell Bury. Chapter 6, Provincial Administration under Augustus, the Western Provinces, 27 B.C. to 14 A.D., Sections 5 and 6. Section 5. Raetia, Noricum, and the Alpine Districts. From the province adjoining Italy on the south, we pass to the lands on its northern frontier, which it devolved upon Augustus to conquer and to shape. The towns of northern Italy were constantly exposed to the descents of unreclaimed Alpine tribes, who could not be fully quelled as long as they possessed a land of refuge beyond the mountains, among the kindred barbarians of Raetia. For the security of Italy, it was imperative to subdue these troublesome neighbors, and in order to do so effectively, it was necessary to occupy Raetia and Vindelicia. This task was accomplished without difficulty in 15 BC by the stepsons of the emperor. Drusus invaded Raetia from the south and vanquished the enemy in battle. Tiberius, who was then governor of Gaul, marched from the north to assist him, and the Vendelici were defeated in a naval action on the waters of the lake of Brigantium. The tribes of the restless Genuani and the swift Brueni appear to have played a prominent part in the Vindelician War. The decisive battle which gave Raetia to Rome was fought near the sources of the Danube under the fortunate auspices of Tiberius on the 1st of August. By these campaigns the countries which corresponded to Bavaria, Tyrol, and eastern Switzerland became Roman. A new military frontier was secured, and direct communications were established between northern Italy and the upper Danube and upper Rhine. The military province of Raetia was placed under an imperial prefect, and the troops which used to be stationed in Cisalpine Gaul could now be transferred to an advanced position. Augusta Vindelicium was founded as a military station near the frontier of the new province, and still continues under the name of Augsburg, the name of the ruler who did so much in Romanizing Western Europe. For Romanizing Raetia itself, indeed, neither he nor his successors did much. No Roman towns were founded there, as in the neighboring province of Noricum. The conquest of the dangerous Salassi, who inhabited the valley of the Duria, between the Graelin and the Pennine Alps, was successfully accomplished by Terentius Morena, brother-in-law of Masonus, in 25 B.C. The people was exterminated, and a body of Praetorian soldiers was settled in the valley, through which roads ran over the Graelin Alps to Lugudunum, and over the Pianine into Raetia. The new city was called Augustus Praetoria, the emperor's name survives in the modern Aosta, where the old Roman walls and grates are still to be seen. The western Alps between Gaul and Italy were formed into two small districts, the Maritime Alps and the Cotian Alps, of which the former was governed by imperial prefects. At first the Cotian district formed a dependent state, not under a Roman commander, but under its own prince Cotius, from whom it derived its name, Reginum Coti. Owing to his ready submission, he was left in possession of his territory, with the title Profectus Civitatium. His capital Segusio survives as Susa, and the arch which he erected in honor of his overlord Augustus, 8 B.C., is still standing. 
Through this prefecture, as it seems to have been, ran the Via Cotia from Augusta Taurinorum, Turin, to Aralate, Arles. The pacification of the Alps, though it presented nothing brilliant to attract historians, conferred a solid and lasting benefit on Italy, and Italy gratefully recognized this by a monument which she set up in honor of the emperor on a hill on the Mediterranean coast near Monaco. The reduction of forty-six Alpine peoples is recorded in the inscription which has been preserved. Few relics of the Roman occupation have been found in Raetia. It is otherwise with the neighboring province of Noricum, which included the lands now called Styria and Carinthia, along with a part of Carniola and most of Austria. Here traffic had prepared the way for Roman subjugation. Roman customs and the Latin tongue were known beyond the Carnic Alps, and when the time came for the land to become directly dependent on Rome, no difficulty was experienced. An occasion presented itself in 16 BC, when some of the Noric tribes joined their neighbors, the Pannonians, in a plundering incursion into Istria. At first treated as a dependent kingdom, Noricum soon passed into the condition of an imperial province under a prefect or procurator, but continued to be called Regnum Noricum. No legions were stationed in either Raetia or Noricum, only auxiliary troops. But the former province was held in check by legions of the Rhine army at Vindonissa, and Noricum was likewise surveyed by legions of the Pannonian army, stationed at Petovio, on the Drava, Drave. The organization of Noricum on the model of Italy was carried out by the emperor Claudius. The land immediately beyond the Julian Alps, with the towns of Amona and Nauportus, belonged to Illyricum, not to Noricum, but it subsequently became a part of Italy. The occupation of Raetia and Noricum was of great and permanent importance for the military defense of the empire against the barbarians of Central Europe. A line of communication was secured between the armies on the Danube and the armies on the Rhine. Section 6. Illyricum and the Hamus Lands Pannonia and Dalmatia. The subjugation of Illyricum was the work of the first emperor. Istria and Dalmatia were counted as Roman lands under the Republic, but the tribes of the interior maintained their independence and plundered their civilized neighbors in Macedonia. Roman legions had been destroyed, and the eagles captured by these untamed peoples in 48 B.C. under Gabinius, and in 44 B.C. under Vatinius. To avenge these defeats was demanded by Roman honor, and to pacify the interior districts was demanded by Roman policy. The younger Caesar undertook this task when he had dealt with Sextus Pompeius and discharged it with energy and success. In 35 BC he subdued the smaller tribes all along the Hadriatic coast, beginning with Doclea, which is now Montenegro, near the borders of the Macedonian province, and ending with the Iapides, who lived in the Alpine district northeast of Istria. At the same time his fleet subdued the pirates who infested the coast islands, especially Cursola and Maleda. The Iapides, whose depredations extended to northern Italy, and who had ventured to attack places like Tergeste and Aquilia, offered a strenuous resistance. When the Roman army approached, most of the population assembled in their town Arupium, but as Caesar drew nearer fled into the forests. The strong fortress of Matulum, built on two summits of a wooded hill, gave more trouble. 
it was defended by a garrison of three thousand chosen warriors who foiled all the roman plans of attack until caesar with agrippa by his side led his soldiers against the walls on this occasion caesar received some bodily injuries the energy of the romans inspirited by the example of their leader induced the besieged to capitulate but when the romans on entering the town demanded the surrender of their arms the iapides thinking that they were betrayed made a desperate resistance in which most of them were slain and the remainder having slain the women and children set fire to their town having thus subdued the iapides caesar marched through their country down the river colapis culpa which flows into the save and laid siege to the pannonian fortress of sicia whose name is preserved in Sisic, situated at the junction of the two streams. It was not the first time that a Roman force had appeared before the walls of Sicia, but it was the first time that a Roman force did not appear in vain. Having thrown a bridge across the river, Caesar surrounded the stronghold with earthworks and ditches, and with the assistance of some tribes on the Danube, got together a small flotilla on the save, so that he could operate against the town by water as well as by land. The Pannonian friends of the besieged place made an attempt to relieve it, but were beaten back with loss, and having held out for thirty days, Sicia was taken by storm. A strong position was thus secured for further operations, whether against the Pannonians or against the Dacians. A Roman fortress was built and garrisoned with twenty-five cohorts under the command of Fufius Geminus. Caesar returned to Italy towards the end of the year, 35 B.C., but during the winter the conquered Pannonian tribe rebelled, and Fufius came into great straits. Dark rumors of his situation, for he was unable to send a sure message, reached Caesar, who was at that moment planning an expedition to Britain. He immediately hastened to the relief of Sicia, and let the Britannic enterprise fall through. Having delivered Fufius from the danger, he returned to Dalmatia, and spent the rest of the year 34 B.C., in reducing the inland tribes, which now, forgetting their tribal feuds, combined in a great federation to fight for their freedom. They mustered an army of twelve thousand strong, and took up a position at Pomona, now Teplin, northeast of Sebenico, a place impregnable by nature, and strengthened further by art. The name of their leader was Versus. By a skillful piece of strategy, Caesar forced the enemy to give up their advanced lines of defense, and retreat into the fortress, which he prepared to reduce by starving the garrison out, and for this purpose built a wall five miles in circuit. Another large Dalmatian force under Testimus came to relieve the place, but was completely defeated. The defenders of Promona simultaneously made an excursion against the besiegers, but were driven back, and some of their pursuers penetrated into the fortress with them. A few days later it was surrendered. The fall of Promona put an end to the war, in so far as it was waged by the Dalmatians in common. But warfare continued here and there. Various tribes and fortresses held out by themselves. It was necessary to besiege Setovia, and Caesar was wounded there in his knee. He returned after this to Rome to enter upon his second consulship, 33 BC, leaving the completion of his work to Statilius Taurus, who for his services on this occasion received a large share of the Illyrian spoils, and laid the foundation of his great wealth. But Caesar laid down his consulate on the very day on which he assumed it, and returned to Dalmatia, 
in order to receive the submission of the conquered peoples. The eagles which had been captured from the army of Gabinius were restored, and seven hundred boys were given to the conqueror as hostages. The civilizing of these Illyrian lands was now begun in earnest. The chief towns on the coast were raised to the position of Italian communities, and a new epoch began in the history of Salone, Iader, Pola, Tergeste, and other places, which made their mark in the later history of Europe. It was now doubtless that colonies were settled at Salone, Pola, and Amona. Thus Salone became in full official language, Colonia Martia Julia Salone, and Amona, which corresponds with Laybach, the capital of Carniola, became Colonia Julia Amona. Pola, called Colonia Pietas Julia Pola, may have become in some measure for Illyricum what Lugudunum was for the three Gauls, insofar as a temple of Rome and Augustus was built there during the lifetime of the first emperor. A change was also made in the administration of Illyricum. Hitherto it had been joined to the government of Cisalpine Gaul, with the exception of a small strip of land in the south of Domitia, which was annexed to Macedonia. But after Caesar's campaigns, Illyricum was promoted to the dignity of a separate province, bounded by the Savus in the north and the Drillo in the south. At the division of provinces in 27 BC, it was assigned to the Senate, but in the nature of things it could not long remain senatorial. The presence of legions on the northern frontier could not be dispensed with, and it devolved upon the governor to watch over Noricum on the one hand and Moesia on the other. Such powers and responsibilities were not likely to be left to a proconsul, and accordingly, soon after the conquest of Raetia, when hostilities in Pannonia seemed likely to break out, we find Agrippa sent thither, 13 B.C., invested, quote, with greater powers than all the governors out of Italy, end quote. The terror of Agrippa's name held the Pannonians in check, but on his death in the following year they took up arms, and Tiberius was appointed to succeed Agrippa. He brought the rebellious tribes to submission, but in the next year, 11 B.C., was again compelled to take the field against them, and also to suppress a revolt of the Dalmatians. These events led to the transference of Illyricum from the Senate to the Emperor. Both the Dalmatian subjects and the Pannonian neighbors required the constant presence of military forces. At the same time, the northern frontier of the province advanced from the Savus to the Dravus, in consequence of the successes of Tiberius in his three campaigns, 12 to 10 B.C. Patovio, on the borders of Noricum, now became the advanced station of the legions, instead of Sicia. This extension of territory soon led to a division of Illyricum into two provinces, Pannonia and Dalmatia, both imperial. The government of Pannonia was especially important, because the intervention of the legatus might be called for either in Noricum or in Moesia. It is well to notice that the name Illyricum was used in two ways. In its stricter sense, it included Pannonia and Dalmatia. In a wider sense, and specially for financial purposes, it took in Noricum and Moesia as coming within the sphere of the governors of Illyricum proper. Moesia and Thrace the governors of Macedonia under the Republic were constantly troubled by the hostilities of the rude Illyric and Thracian peoples on the north and east. The Dardanians of the Upper Margus, the Denthalitae of the Strymon, the Tribali between the Timacus and the Oascus, 
and the Bessie beyond the Rodope were troublesome neighbors. The lands between the Danube and Mount Hamus, which now form the Principality of Bulgaria, were inhabited by the Moesians, and beyond the Danube was the dominion of the Dacians, whom the Romans had reason to regard as a most formidable enemy. The Thracians in the south, the Moesians in the center, and the Dacians in the north, were people of the same race, speaking the same tongue. It was evidently a very important matter for the Roman government to break this line, and to bring Moesia and Thrace directly or indirectly under Roman sway, so as to make the Eister the frontier of the empire. The occasion of the conquest of Moesia was an invasion of the Bastarnae, a powerful people, perhaps of German race, who lived between the Danube and the Dniester in 29 B.C., as long as they confined their hostilities to the Moesians, Dardanians, and Triballi, the matter did not concern the governor of Macedonia, Marcus Licinius Crassus, grandson of the rival of Pompey and Caesar. But when they attacked the Denthalitae, allies of Rome, he was called on to interfere. The Bastarnae retired at his command, but he followed them as they retreated and defeated them where the river Cybris flows into the Danube but at the same time he turned his arms against Boeasia, and reduced, not without considerable toil and hardships, almost all the tribes of that country. He had also to deal with the Serdi, who dwelt in the center of the peninsula under Mount Scomius, in the direct way between Macedonia and Moesia. These he conquered, and took their chief place, Serdica, which is now Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria. He was also compelled to reduce the unfriendly tribes of Thrace. In that country the worship of Dionysus was cultivated with wild enthusiasm, and the possession of one specially venerable grove, consecrated to that god, perhaps the very grove in which Alexander the Great had once sacrificed, was a subject of discord between two powerful rival tribes, the Odrysae and the Bessi. The Bessi were then in possession, but Crassus took the sacred place from them, and gave it to the friendly Odrysae, and constituted their prince the representative of Roman power in Thrace, with lordship over the other peoples, and protector of the Greek towns on the coast. Thus Thrace became a dependent kingdom. That Moesia also became, at first, a dependency of the same kind, before she became a regular province, seems likely. The Greek cities on the coast were probably placed under the protection of the Thracian kingdom, while the rest of Moesia and Tribalia may have been united under one of the native princes. After 27 BC, it would doubtless have devolved upon the governor of Illyricum, no longer upon the governor of Macedonia, to intervene in case of need. The submission of the Thracians was not permanent, and the Odrysians were not equal to the task imposed upon them. The Bessi longed to recover the sanctuary of Dionysus, and a sacred war broke out in 13 B.C., which resulted in the overthrow of the princes of Odrysae. The suppression of this insurrection ought perhaps to have devolved upon the governor of Illyricum, but he had his hands full in his own province. The proconsul of Macedonia had no army at his disposal. Accordingly, recourse was had to the troops stationed at Galatia, and Lucius Piso, the empirical legatus in that province, was summoned to cross into Europe, and quell the insurgents who were threatening to invade Asia, having established themselves in the Thracian Chersonese, 11 B.C. Piso put down the revolt successfully, and it was probably soon after this that Moesia was converted into a regular Roman province, 
though Thrace still remained under the rule of the dependent Odrysian prince, Romitalces, who, with his son Cotis, was devotedly attached to Rome and unpopular in Thrace. Thrace, though not yet Greek, must even now be reckoned to the Greek half of the Roman world, but its close connection with Moesia naturally led us to consider it in this place rather than in the following chapter. Moesia itself belonged partly to the Latin and partly to the Greek division. The cities which grew under Roman influence in western Moesia were Latin, the cities on the coast of Pontus were Greek, and formed a distinct world of their own. But most of the inhabitants of these cities were not Greeks, but Grete and Sarmatians, and even the true Greeks were to some extent barbarized by intercourse with the natives. The poet Ovid, who was banished to Tomi, gives a lively description of the wild life there, the plowmen plowing armed, the arrows of ferocious marauders flying over the walls of the town, natives clad in skins, and equipped with bow and quiver, riding through the streets. Gedic continued to be spoken in Moesia, long after the Roman conquest, like a lyric in Illyricum, and Ovid says that it was quite needful for any one resident in Tomi to know it. He wrote himself a poem in the Gedic tongue, and we should be glad to barter some of his Latin elegiacs for his exercise in that lost language. The subjugation of the vast extent of territory, reaching from the sources of the Rhine to the mouths of the Danube, was a military necessity. The conquest of each province, while it served some immediate purpose at the time, was also part of an immense scheme for the defense of the empire from the northern ocean to the Euxine. It was designed that the armies in Pannonia should be in constant touch with the armies on the Rhine, and that operations in both quarters should be carried out in connection. Central Europe and the Germans who inhabited it presented a hard and urgent problem to the Roman government, but before telling how they attempted to solve it, it will be well to complete our survey of the subject and dependent lands. End of chapter 6, sections 5 and 6